Hey, Sellers and Sticks family. This is Nick from Sellers and Sticks. And this is the Season 2, Episode 3 podcast. It's been a while since we recorded. Um, so it was really good to uh, turn a mic on, light up a cigar, and uh, sit down with Steve Sideri as we interviewed one of his good friends, Dave Lachlan, who was a uh, supply officer on board the USS La Jolla. He also did a deployment on USS Toledo. Dave uh, has now since uh, out of the Navy, he's a veteran, and uh, he works in finance on Wall Street. And as we determined through this podcast recording, Dave is not the wolf of Wall Street, but he's definitely the lapdog of Wall Street. Have a listen, this was fun. try this again uh this is the first time for you guys second time for us because uh the uh anchor fm app which we love because it's free but you get what you pay for and uh it just randomly stopped recording uh two minutes into our podcast so here we go again and there's nick uh one half of seven sticks podcast uh, i say one third actually because i think steve's become the regular here steve sideri uh brian's out in guam uh it's uh about one in the morning in guam so i didn't want to uh disturb him he's out there trying to do squadron 15 weapons officer things i'll be pretty easy for him because he went from having 15 boats to like three um so i don't have a whole lot of compassion for him um but uh so it's 10 a.m over here uh in virginia beach virginia i have uh, steve with me and his friend uh dave lachlan he's a former chop uh uss la jolla and he also did a deployment uh on toledo you know how uh you know when you guys do deployments on boats, they're not supposed to. You know why they relieved the individual that was supposed to be there. Uh, it, uh, it's called getting fired. So, uh, so Dave went ahead and covered down Toledo. It's cool. Deserve. Cool, uh, you know, bullshit here uh, with Dave and um, knew a lot of some of the same people. And we've talked about. Uh, this really sucks saying this twice. It sounds stupid, but uh, you know. The powerhouse of the weapons department. I am impartial to weapons department individuals of uh, being one. And uh, he had Jed Wabney, Daryl Taylor, Tyler White. Um, I'm sure we can rattle off a bunch of names uh, also during that time period. Uh, that Toledo was just really not to be messed with during that time. Just on real guys. So, uh, you know, so Dave uh, really enjoyed his Navy career, but uh, he, desired, he desired more. Uh, he kind of closed that chapter in his life. Uh, went and, uh, you know, I believe that was MBA, and uh, and then now he works in uh, in New York uh, in finance in Wall Street. Uh, you know, he's not the wolf of Wall Street, but I think we agreed that he's the border collie of Wall border Street. Border collie, something like that. So lap dog. He's a lap dog of Wall Street. Uh, it sounds bad saying that joke again. <laughs> <laughs> we, we totally lost the effect from the first time we said it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. This is uh, the first two minutes was the second two minutes for us. <laughs> 
like every good thing in the Navy, we do everything twice yeah, to get twice. one output. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, before we start here, just gonna give you guys a heads up: uh, hour, hour, twenty minutes recording, roughly. Um, no real agenda. With me and uh, Steve were supposed to record back in June, and our schedules didn't align. July was pretty difficult for Squadron Six purposes for us to get any free time. Uh, so here we are, August fifteenth. Uh, first morning podcast that I can think of that me and Steve have done. Uh, so I'll go ahead and, and get down to it here. Uh, normally we pass it around and we say, hey, what are you smoking? What are you drinking? I'll make it easy and cover us all. So Steve brought us all some Drew Estates uh, Java cigars. Uh, nice little box press here. And uh, because it's the morning, we decided we'd pair it with coffee, obviously. Uh, second best pairing uh, of a cigar, uh, second to bourbon in my opinion, is, is coffee, obviously. And what we did is we got a couple different uh, different coffee drinks here. So the first one, uh, as you guys know, we're, we're really close friends with the owners of Pale Horse uh, Coffee Company in Chesapeake, Virginia. And uh, I got one of their bourbon barrel aged uh, bags of, uh, of coffee. Uh, I don't remember the distillery they got it from, so I'm not going to quote it. I feel like it was George Dickel, but I could be wrong. Um, they got this barrel while it was wet. You got to get the barrel right after it's dumped. So they got the barrel right after it's dumped. They poured the beans in it, and this thing set, and they rotated it like a quarter turn every day for two months. Like those, so, bingo, like those bingo balls. Exactly. So he, uh, they did that. They, uh, they were going to actually age it three months. And at the two-month point, they were like, this is on fire. The beans had, were doing what it wanted to do. Uh, so I went ahead and cracked it open and roasted it. Um, they, it, went, it sold out really quick. I don't even know if they have it anymore. If they do, I would recommend looking on their website and checking it out. I probably only had three or four bourbon barrel-aged coffees uh, before in my life. Uh, and I think the two of those were from Starbucks, and which I'm not allowed to say that word in front of Mike and Don. But um, this, this is fantastic, fantastic, is fantastic coffee. Fantastic. Drinking it black like a real sailor. And we're good to go. Yeah. I make it a little Irish. <laughs> There's a little bit Irish in some of these. Yeah. The uh, the other coffee drink we have is uh, so anyone's familiar in the Virginia Beach area. There's this uh, distillery. Uh, you know, it's kind of new. Um, called Tarnished Truth, and uh, they make this uh, bourbon cream, and it's fantastic in coffee. So I have an espresso machine here. So what you do is you take that uh, bourbon cream, put a little bit of whole milk in there, you froth it. And then I did a double shot of espresso, uh, and then you top it out a little bit of whipped cream, a little bit of caramel, a little bit of pumpkin pie spice, because we're almost in pumpkin season. That's true. The, the, uh, the Ugg boots are about to come out. The Ugg boots are about to come out, gentlemen. <laughs> I can almost see it. Um, but anyways, this is... cold just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm cold thinking about it. So anyway, yeah, right here, it's uh, we had a mighty rainstorm last night here in Virginia Beach. Um, was hoping to cool things off. The temperature's sitting at about 82, which is nice, but it's still it's humid as shit humid out Humid as the dickens, right? So, now. it's, uh, you know, it's all right. I'm glad we did this in the morning, because I don't think I'll have been up for a 2 p.m. podcast if this weather keeps this way. So, anyways, without further ado, I would like to uh, first start off here with a word from one of our sponsors. Good morning, folks. Football season is just around the corner. What better way to enjoy your Monday mornings than using the latest product from Big Pharma? Super Bowl. The first fully organic non-GMO laxative for men ages 50 to 57 and a half. The brilliant minds behind Super Bowl have sophisticatedly combined those feelings of nervous butterflies a professional football player would have right before the big game and the crashing wave of relief by defeating extreme constipation. Super Bowl's clinically proven and proprietary formula won J.D. Power & Associates' best poop juice category of 2019. If you have constipation 
and want to uh, and want to void the jalapeno poppers and chicken wings you enjoyed on your Sunday tailgate, <laughs> Super Bowl is for you. It will definitely work better than the Johnson and Johnson COVID vaccine. If you order now, you get a complimentary subscription to Football Magazine, where you will have plenty of time to read it in your bathroom. That's Super Bowl, folks. Sold at every Navy exchange around oh. the world. <laughs> oh yeah, Super Bowl. <laughs> Great was, job there, Steve. I think the coffee made me like read that twice as fast as the Bang first up. time. We tried. Yeah, you did. That was the second time we've heard that commercial also. Uh, it, it might have been better the second time, though, I think. Uh, so, great. Uh, appreciate that. So, we like I said, we got a loose kind of script here. So, it's going to kind of get this going. So, this is, I believe, the first podcast that we've recorded since uh, Brian and I launched our website. Uh, so... If I'm wrong, then I'm just going to say it again for our new listeners. But I'm pretty sure it's the first time. Uh, so we launched a morning morning podcast. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, think right. You, I think you just said first time we did yeah. a podcast. No, no, for our website. Oh, for the, the website. launch of the website. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not. Dude, I'm Steve's not, still waking up. I had too uh, much. I had <laughs> too, some more coffee. Yeah. I had too yeah. much tarnished truth bourbon in an old fashions mm. last night. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Best yeah. old fashioned I've ever had in my oh, life. Man. Yeah, I, I like going there. at the Hunt Club, right? You guys yeah, the Hunt Club. Yeah, that's very cool. Sorry, Nick. Sorry. So, anyways, uh, so me and Brian have a website now. There was a lot of uh, people out there. They're like, "Hey, you know, it's kind of inconvenient to kind of get a hold of your swag and to learn more about you guys." And you know, this Facebook group's got four thousand people. You know, this time last year it might have had like a thousand, um, and things get lost in, in 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 all the comments that 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 happen in that in that group. Um, and also, it, it's a forum for people that don't like social media. Uh, to be able to uh, still kind of keep up with us, so we have an online shop there. We've got a bunch of stuff. You, you guys have seen the guys wearing it. We've got hats and shirts and stickers and cups and all kinds of shit. We also have uh, my favorite part of the website is the cigars for deployers tab. And it's where uh, me and Brian collect donations via actual cigars or uh, donations via PayPal, and we go buy cigars and we load out a deployer. So I just. Uh, completed a load out for uh, believe it or not in, in uh, about 10 months is our fourth ship that we've done this for we did it for the USS New Hampshire USS New Mexico USS Vela Golf and now the USS Washington is the next one to get this so we take an ammo can and uh, we load up full cigars I think Washington's sitting at about 50 sticks uh, inside there as well as a donated uh, cutter and uh, torch lighter um, so Washington you guys are getting hooked up uh, for sure. So I want to thank everybody that has uh, contributed to that. If you if you donated to Cigars for Deployers at any time since the website's been live, um, I think I think there's been ten there's been ten donations and uh, which equals uh, you know 250 bucks. So I spent almost 300 actually uh, yesterday at North Summit Cigars at their one year anniversary. Uh, great place, guys. If you mention you're a member of Sailors and Sticks, they will give you a 10% discount on all your cigars. Um, he's very, very uh, pro-military over there. Um, just a little bit out, out of the way uh, to, to go to North Suffolk if you're on, on, depending on what side of the tunnel you're on. But it was great. It was a great time. It was had uh, at his anniversary event. Um, there was multiple uh, cigar vendors were there, including uh, our friends uh, from Pell Horse Coffee. They also have spun off and they do Pell Horse Cigar. And uh, they had their cigars out there. Uh, KJ from Arizona was out there. And um, my favorite part of, 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 I think, the afternoon was, so Stolen Throne was there. And uh, for those that listen to our podcast, The Crook of the Crown, 
was rated top three cigar for me and Brian last year. I think it was my number one cigar. I know it was my number one cigar, and I think Brian rated it as like two or three. Anyways, I didn't know that these guys are from Newport News. They're like right up the river here from us. Um, so I got talking to those guys. It was really cool. Uh, you know, step up to the tent and before I even said anything. I had my, you know, my hat and my shirt on. These guys were like, hey, you know, you guys, you guys are pretty cool. And it was like, wow, it's pretty awesome that, you know, we're kind of getting out there to cigar companies now know who Sailors and Sticks is. So it was pretty, pretty, pretty cool uh, for me. Um, so anyway, I just got talking with the guys. Um, they hooked me up with some dope swag. If you guys are on the Facebook page, saw a really, really cool, uh, probably one of my favorite <laughs> ashtrays right now. Uh, the stolen throwing cigars, and then uh, it's like a big log. They just like, big old log made an ashtray out. It's yeah, it's got the big logo in the middle. It's very awesome. They also hooked me up with a shirt and a hat, and I got twenty percent off of a bundle for uh, Crook of the Crown. So I am uh, loaded out uh, for Crook of the Crown for uh, the near future. The coolest thing was uh, they had mentioned we'd mentioned about doing podcasts, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we do podcasts, and uh, we would love to be on yours." So. Uh, I got to give it to this guy because he, uh, it's Lee Marsh, he's the owner of uh, Stolen Throne. Uh, he uh, he said he records about four times a week. Um, we, me and Steve can't even figure out how to record four times <laughs> four in a times fucking a year. year. <laughs> and this guy did this four times a week. So we got to get in a schedule. I have some ideas of what, how I think that podcast could go. Um, I want to tie a few things into that. Up there, right outside Newport News, is Ironclad Distillery. Um, which they do commemorative uh, whiskeys, and they just did one for USS Hyman G. Rickover, and they also did one for USS Montana. If I was envisioned the perfect podcast with those guys, it's me and Steve getting up over there, uh, perhaps talking to Lee and uh, rolling one of his cigars while we uh, sip on ironclad uh, bourbon from the USS Hyman G. Rickover. I think it would just kind of knock a bunch of fucking things out of the park there. So I'm really looking forward to working with Lee and his team uh, in, in the future. Um, and, you know, maybe inviting them to some of our events uh, also. Um, it'd be really great. Uh, so, and then lastly, uh, before I kind of turn this over to Steve and uh, kind of let him <clears throat> run through some stuff that he's been itching to, to talk about here for a couple months, um, is I really encourage you guys to get out some of these events that we're doing if you can locally. If you're not in the Hampton Roads area and you're in a, what we call a free concentration area, if you're in Groton, San Diego, Kings Bay, Hawaii, Guam, I really encourage you guys to get together, man. I mean, I... You know, do it safely in, in the way that you feel, however your opinion is with how COVID is. But if you're vaccinated and uh, you, your local government allows you to get together, I highly encourage you guys to get together in small groups, medium groups, and just kind of build a camaraderie. Uh, you know, we, we've had a few events here, and, um, you know, I, I like to turn out. I think we had 15 members from Sailors and Sticks that showed up yesterday at, um, at the North Suffolk thing. Um, I would like to get more, especially in Hampton Roads. I'd argue that probably 50% of our membership is from the Hampton Roads area. And I think we have the ability to do, do some really big things. Um, so if you're interested um, in joining those things, please kind of keep a lookout. I'll try to do a better job of giving them more of a heads up. Sometimes these things happen impromptu, but I'd like to have some foresight. Maybe as the weather turns cooler here, October, November, uh, we, we can plan an event where everybody can get together and uh, hang out and whatnot. Uh, if you're in one of those areas I just mentioned and nobody's doing that right now, then then, then take the lead. Uh, make a post and say, hey, look, let's all get together at whatever place in Groton on a Saturday and uh, get the guys out there, man. That's what we really want because we've talked about before in the podcast, me and Brian want to branch this off into like a uh, kind of local areas membership type thing. And it's going to take people willing to like pull these events off because me and Brian just can't do it all by ourselves. But uh, without that... Um, 
appreciate you guys listening, and uh, I'm going to kick this over to Steve. You know what? I actually uh, I appreciate that, Nick. Thank you. I uh, almost forgot, even though it's 10 a.m. <sighs> <You can't. laughs> uh, it's not a podcast out of Michelob Ultra. That's right. Steve's, Steve's trusty Mick Ultra. There we go. Now we're podcasting. Now, now, now we're starting. All right. Um, I think uh, I'd like to <clears throat> kind of get a little bit of... A little bit more fidelity, if you will, about Dave's naval career. He, uh, I think you almost have sailed around the world, and, and you've touched almost every body of water. Pretty near. Pretty near on two for one tour. For, for one, one tour, tour yeah. which I think, is, and it's not like uh, it's both not like canals a, as well. Yeah, it's not like a boat that like you know just like went went to the North Pole and like circled it and got the order of Magellan. Like he actually fake Magellan, fake, fake Magellan, order you, of Magellan. You actually went through two canals. Just kind of talk to us a little bit about yeah. your... Uh... Yeah, so I mean, uh, the La Jolla, old first flight boat, first flight tough. Um, took her on her last deployment out of Pearl Harbor uh, on a Westpac. And so we uh, kind of got over there, did the thing, but um, got pretty near over to Singapore, I guess. And then we brought that boat around. Uh, and Steve joined. Yeah, Steve joined. That's where I met Steve on. In Honolulu, right before we uh, did our change of home port and brought it around to Norfolk to uh, do the conversion. So that got me pretty near halfway around the world. And then uh, when I uh, stepped up and served on Toledo as well, uh, took that boat over over uh, Medron, etc. And yeah, went through the Suez, hung out there for a little while. And um, yeah, almost got around the world. Almost so. got around the world. Not too bad. Yeah, you've been in every ocean. You've been in every ocean. Except, wait, except the Arctic. Except the Arctic Ocean. To my knowledge. No one wants to go there anyways. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just you know, one of those first flight boats that doesn't have that uh, ventilation mod. It gets pretty warm. You always yeah. want the cold water around you. Yeah. So speaking of warm, you're, since you haven't gone to the Arctic, you're a warm body. Yeah. Just for everybody out there who's a blue nose, just giving you a shout out. <laughs> um, that's cool, man. Also, Dave's, Dave's working on Wall Street. You, you mentioned something the other day that I thought was a amazing... We, we talk a lot about COVID, and we probably, it's probably like way too much, but living in New York City, definitely a, uh, it, it, was, it was the hot spot in the country for a while, but you were talking for about, a yeah, for a bit, <laughs> for a minute, hot minute, back back in the Cuomo years, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. too soon, but not, uh, well, you talked about how there was nobody on the road, yeah, I mean, the place is just an absolute ghost town. Just kind of looking around, it just felt like a really wasted opportunity. We're about to spend all this money on infrastructure, etc. I mean, think about how much time gets wasted in construction for like dealing with traffic and that disruption. And if you didn't have any traffic, you could about repave every street in Manhattan in an afternoon. Just really wasted opportunity yeah, when no one's around. Get some and you can definitely social distance with some. Yeah. asphalt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get I mean? some get some crews out there. Maybe maybe lock them down for a month or two. Just them. You know? Quarantine them out. Yeah, quarantine them out, and then get at it, boys. You yeah. pay them about twice as much as they normally make, and it'd still be worth their while, and they'd get it all done. So, where was nobody riding the subway either? Was that all? Subway was pretty dead. Yeah, I only probably started. I started using it again about last August. So, not too. Uh, not too too deep into it I guess but um, subway ridership's way down people don't want to be around other people and stuff so that seemed like another thing they, like, they could have done some work to like if they had like a you know a they did clean it. they did clean some of it which was nice wow. but it's still like I mean it's all it's old like the system in New York I think's 
over a, I mean, well over 100 years yeah. old now, so, I mean, with age comes some entropy, I guess, so, yeah, they could have, some wasted opportunities there, certainly, so, a bit disappointing. Yeah. We all saw Ghostbusters, too, I mean, that one tunnel with all that slime in it. Yeah, I know, really right? Could have cleaned that up. Really. <laughs> really yeah, speaking that. of Ghostbusters, I just saw something the other day, and they're like, uh, you know, someone's like, hey, I got a ghost, who, who do you think I should call? And their friend was like, call Ghostbusters. And he's like, well, do they have a website? He said, no, you have to call them. And says, well, can I text them? He said, no, you have to call them. He goes, all right, well, I guess I'm going to love this ghost then. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I don't I, even use this phone. I thought about it, like, that's like me to a T. Like, uh, I, I, I hate, I hate talking on the phone. A lot of that is because of my medical stuff. But um, if I can do anything that is like online ordering, whatever I do, I walk into Starbucks and I order from my phone at the pickup thing and then walk over. I won't even interact with the barista at all. It's like COVID was almost good for you. It's like now I can't interact with any yeah. other people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, 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 you know, and I don't like big crowds either. So it's like awesome. I can just go somewhere. Like, all right, I'm just going to order this and uh, go do it. But I thought that was funny. Uh, they were going to live with the ghost because they couldn't text for fucking <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> so funny. The, uh, speaking of just, you know, dealing with, like, COVID, and we always want to get on, uh, like, how it negatively affected our lives. Something that I, I'll go first, just so you guys can kind of, like, mull over something while you're, while you're sitting here and listening to me gab. But, like, what is something good that actually came out of COVID? Like, there's, like, we have to, we have to not let this, like, ruin our lives. So, like, trying to find the silver lining, I personally think that it is, like, what drives me crazy is the complete disarray most public bathrooms are in and when people like don't wash their hands and like so it's actually made people be a lot more hygienic Mm -hmm. the the little invention that came out of covid that i think is incredible is that little foot door to open the doors to open the door right and it's so funny because i was i was at a bar in um in boston i had to go up for uh my, my wife's cousin was getting married and uh boston went totally like hard to the paint covid restrictions and everything we went to a bar that had they had probably spent three thousand dollars on building a plexiglass it was like it it was like i was watching like i was a front row seat at a hockey game like the 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 plexiglass and it was like all the way down to the top of the bar they left like like they left if a beer bottle's like nine inches tall they had the plexiglass go down to eight inches just so you couldn't fit a beer under there so stupid they went so hard to the paint and then they didn't have the little foot thingy in the bathroom. I'm like, I'm like the one thing that like is the ultimate like. That's thirty five dollars probably. Thirty five dollars to that thing on Two there, screws. Right? Thirty five <laughs> seconds to install, and you didn't have the foot thingy, but you have this. Uh, you constructed a hockey arena around the around the around the bartender oh, to wow. prevent you know oh. flex of food coming at them and getting COVID Man, from per- it. Perception is reality. So yeah, I guess is. you're right. It is. It looks, looks clean, clean. Smells clean. Must be clean. Must be clean. Must be clean. I do agree that little foot thing. For me, um, like for us as a society, it is the newfound um, attention to cleanliness. Um, I really like that everybody walks past and they put hand sanitizer in their hands now. And most people have it in their pockets or in their purses or um, whatever uh, the satchels that Steve has carried into my house today. Um, it's a tactical purse. Uh, purse. It's a tactical purse. Indiana Jones um, on a satchel. He, uh, that, that for sure. Um, 
I also I also like um, we we've I feel like people have kind of uh, in in a electronic means or like not physical means, but people have I think connected more with 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 other people um, more so than I think we used to. Um, I think it was like Zoom, you know what I mean, like yeah. Zooms and stuff like that. And I think what it did also, what I think, I think what I'm trying to say here with that is I think COVID forced a number of our society and, and namely people, uh, you know, elder people that never really wanted to like get with the internet or phones or online. Like they had no choice. The Luddites, like, the Luddites of our society. People <laughs> had to... Uh, had to do that right and i think it like sped up efficiency and and opened up you know the older generation of people that they didn't realize how convenient it is just to order something by using your phone yeah. or, you know or whatever um so i think that that's i think that it forced uh it forced out of out of necessity people to to learn how to do that right because people had to get their groceries and they had you know all that my neighbor over here I, when covid was hot uh, they're they're an elder couple, probably in their seventies, and um, they were having uh, their groceries delivered the front door from like Walmart and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Um, the downside, though, that I will say, the negative that I don't like, and I don't know if that was part of your question, but I'm just going to say it anyways, is um, I'm very pro uh, small business. I'm a kind of guy. If I go on vacation, I will not eat at a restaurant that's at my house. Um, even here, I love going to Great Neck in the oceanfront area and um, spending my money in places that are not like the chain places um, to the best of my ability. Um, but what's unfortunate is, you know, and I always tread lightly here because I understand that we're still military active duty over here. Um, but the small the small business guys were closed to shut. They were told to shut down multiple times while the billionaire organizations that ran with Amazon, Walmart, um, Apple, they, they've, they've made more money in the last year. Uh, I think there was like some story I read about like how rich the billionaires got during COVID. Uh, you know, each man his own. And he, you know, those guys are smart enough to have those things already set up. Um, Amazon really was already ready for a pandemic because that's how they do business. But to me, it's unfortunate that there's many of us that could probably rattle off local businesses that we know don't exist anymore. Um, that was because of COVID, whether it's because they can't get employees there or just because they lost business. Right. Uh, yeah. But but these, the three big companies in our country, they, they didn't miss a beat. And I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. Speaking of, um, you know, older the older generation needing to use technology, you know, it's like my, my parents didn't use apps very well, especially my, my father, you know. He, he, he had a smartphone, like, in... In use only for in like dumb, dumb mode. Yeah, in dumb mode. Uh, <laughs> and he kept being like, "Yeah, I keep ordering." Uh, he's like, "I had to download a bunch of apps now to get like you know." It's, it's like I kept ordering uh, this this food delivery app. He's like, I kept trying to get like you know like a foot long Italian sub. He's like, delivery guy kept showing up to my door. He didn't have a sandwich. I was like, what the fuck are you doing here? I was like, I was like, what app were you using? He was like, Grinder. I was like, no, that's not a sandwich ordering app, Dad. <laughs> Ordering something else. You're ordering something. I saw a different type of footlong Italian. <laughs> Italian footlong. Oh, so we finally got a sandwich. We finally got a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, it's just gonna make it myself, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's good. No, I would say kind of the past year, like bright side, especially in my world, I would say there's there's a little bit more work flexibility on whether you actually have to be in the office, which 
yeah, some people time, yeah it cuts down on the commute time I mean I live pretty close to the office so it doesn't matter but I was able to kind of drive drive out west and see uh, see Grand Tetons and Yellowstone Glacier National Park last summer while getting paid while getting paid still kind of work like I'd work and then because I was in mountain mountain time zone I was able to have basically a whole afternoon after work to kind of go and see things so that was great but uh, I will say I think there's there's this big push for especially Wall Street to get back to the office, and um, I mean I know I think that's good because you still need that mentorship. And like any anyone that's been on a boat knows, like when you show up, you don't really know anything. You need to kind of be building those organic relationships with your shipmates. And yep. It's no real different when uh, when you're in an office setting and trying to learn from senior people and everything. So I do think uh, we need to get back to basics in a way to. Yeah. build those relationships and mentor people as they're kind of growing up and becoming senior leaders in an organization. So I think I think there's a middle ground that we need to find. Like I, you know, me, I'm a guy that's had zero telework days uh, for COVID, and it just so happened the two duty stations I was at are, you know, kind of mission essential uh, to the mission. Uh, but a lot of my I have a lot of friends that are like like defense contracting jobs and stuff now post Navy. And we found a lot of things that we can do. You're just as efficient, or if not more efficient, as an employee by not even stepping foot in the office. Yeah. Um, which which is great, right? I think uh, I think the hot thing I'm reading right now. Um, it's a year and a half into this now. Some employers are like, all right, well, yeah, but you work from home. But they're talking about cutting salaries a little bit too because, um, you know. You're, you're not coming into the office. You don't really need the work clothes for some places anymore. You don't need... Maybe you're living in costs. Iowa, not New York City anymore. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're paying you, they're paying you a salary in New York City, but yeah. you're uh, instead of shot in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, living like a king. Living like king. Um, so, um, yeah, I think that we find a middle ground, you know, but I think it would be cool. Maybe it's like a, you know, maybe you tell work Monday, Friday, and because everyone likes those long weekends, maybe you give everybody a four-day weekend, and then you're in the office getting mentorship guidance. Yeah. You know, kind of, you know, building that. But I just, my brain goes 100 miles an hour, thinks about doing things, and I said the word Iowa, and I just thought, did you guys watch the Field of Dreams game on Thursday, the no, White Sox and the Yankees? It was blacked out in Pennsylvania because they thought we wanted to watch the Eagles and Steelers preseason game instead. So, it, yeah. It looked so, great. That's funny you say that, right? So, First, I will, I will respond to that. So we were sitting in the office the other day. I think it was Thursday. It was Thursday before the game. The Commodore walks in. I'm sitting in there, a couple guys, and uh, Fox News was doing a thing on the Field of Dreams game. It's cool. We're like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. I was like, I'm a huge baseball fan. I love baseball, and that's my sport to watch. And the Commodore came in, and, uh, you know, he was like, you know, it's really cool and all, whatever. He goes, but what time does the game start? We're like 7. He goes, that's all right. He's like, at 8.05, I will turn the Chiefs game on. He was like, I will watch preseason game one of NFL football before I watch an MLB regular season game. And he was like, into his point, he was like, look, he said, I've only watched baseball. Uh, you know, he said, I watch baseball every day for the last month or whatever. I'm ready to watch football. He's a Chiefs fan. That's a good team to root for. Um, but for me, I was like, crazy. Like, it, 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 the field they had to maintain for a year because it was supposed to be played last year. Right. And COVID happened. Um it was, it was an incredible game. I watched I watched the game. The intro was awesome. Kevin Costner comes out. I got it recorded. So he has come to my house one day and watch at least the beginning of it. I got recorded on TiVo. Um, it was it was incredible. And 
to top the game off with a walk-off home run by yeah. like the top top shortstop playing right now, Tim Anderson, uh, was just like it was like so cool. And like what I thought in my head was. There's no rules to a baseball stadium. There was a football stadium has to be 100 yards long and all that. Baseball, it's whatever you want. To, you know, as long center as field, infield, as long as the infield is the same, is right, the right same distance. 90 feet distances. Yeah. Your your outfield can be as big as. And I was like, maybe we've tapped into something that's going to draw fans. Uh, maybe there's other places in the country that can do something similar, right? Like I would love them to do a game that like looks like the Sandlot. Yeah and, that, and, yeah, and you got the house and the dog in the back, yeah, right? Cool, so. And you got to have Benny the Jet there. Um, I think it would be really cool. Um, but, uh, you know, the next morning I got up and I was reading my Google News, but I, kind of my routine, I'm very OCD and I'm very structured in my routines, and uh, came on and said that was the number one watched baseball game in 16 years. That's unbelievable. That's An amazing. August game on a Thursday Not between the White Sox and the Yankees was the number one watched game in 16 years. And that's got to tell you that I can tell you that I think that some teams – when they read that, they're like, there's some money out there that yeah. we need to figure out how to be dynamic. And if the Dodgers don't make a fucking Sandlot Stadium, I'm going to be pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> here's, the, here's the other thing. like, So the NHL's been doing that that Winter mm-hmm. Classic I love for that. years. It's only, it's only hockey games I watch. Yeah. It's the Winter like, Classics. And like, it's, I'm surprised it took the MLB so long. Especially when they're struggling with viewership. They're struggling yeah. to mm-hmm. engage kind of the younger yeah. younger like, fans and everything. And even like the NFL did that thing where they had like the old gridiron, like the old like throwback so, uniforms. Yeah. Well, and, and they played in Mexico field. City. They went to London. Yeah. Um, I think MLB was behind the curve on that for sure. On yeah, doing behind that. the count, they were behind they're the behind the count. count. Yeah. So, but but they they hit a grand slam home run on that field of dreams thing. I don't I don't know if that could be top, but I think there's definitely some ideas out there. Um, why don't you do like a little big league and let a little leaguer, uh, little little leaguer come out and throw throw a pitch to an MLB player? You know, or, or you know, get murdered on the um, <laughs> maybe like a yeah. was it rookie of the year? You have the the kid pitcher. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throw softball so. pitches. <laughs> just some yeah. of the venues that you could build a baseball stadium really quick. Whatever backdrop, maybe yeah. even do because I know they were talking about having the NHL Classic in Lake Louise and uh, Banff National Park uh, outside pretty, Calgary, which would be just really unbelievable. Cool. So yeah, yeah a lot was, of opportunity there. It was great. I think that, that that's going to be something I think baseball's going to look at. And gonna, I'm sure they already got research people on oh, that. Yeah, like, they, what, are, what are ways that we can do this? And I, honestly, so they built, if you look at the flyover, they built the stadium right down for where the house and the field was. They've maintained that house and field from the movie, the set there. And then they made it in the, in the cornfield, basically. They made this whole stand-up stadium. And I'm like, why, why does the MLB not just keep it there? The way I look at it is 162 games in a baseball. I don't need to watch Yankees and Red Sox play each other in Boston and New York City 87 times in a season. Right. Why don't Why don't you know Why don't you say Hey, Iowa's opened up to every MLB team once once a year or something like that. Like I just think. Yeah. Well, you could do other things too, right? Like you know, if you uh, like, when I was growing up, we um, you know my high school hockey team just like one of one of the parents just like threw our name in like a raffle, and it was like the winner plays a team from another state at the Boston Garden. Like, usually you only played at the Garden for the state finals, like yeah, the Division One state final for high school. That is the that's where you play, but it was, it was I got to actually play at the Boston Garden because we won the ra- the, the raffle. So they could do something like that with the ra- like a, a raffle, like teams from all over the country could like travel there and go and play and shit. I think that would be really fucking cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the uh, I was. What were we talking about right before that? 
we said something about Iowa and we got lost in oh, yeah. the field of dreams. If you build it, they change will come. and pay and flexibility. Yeah, and we we're talking about work. yeah, we're talking about just work teleworking and and it, and the efficiencies in that. So, something that I, I do think, uh, like you know, so seventy percent of of conversation or communication is nonverbal. I do think that there is like not going back to the office and everybody being masked up. Is affecting is affecting relationships and like the way you kind of probably do business deals like yeah. like Wall Street. I feel like it's there's not a lot the same. Of like, it's just not the same. I mean, yeah, because like sitting right here next to you and like anyone listening can't see it, but like I'm looking at you. I'm not just listening to what you say. It's like what stupid facial expression Steve has on his face and stuff like that. It could like, be anything. Yeah, it's part of the. It's how we communicate. It's how yeah. we evolved into whatever. I, right. I know I'm super frustrated because I got used to the mask thing. Uh, as much as I hated it, especially me that has like a, a hearing disability, it, it makes it makes communication that much more when I can't see people's mouths. Right. Yeah. It's, it's made it really hard for me. Very much stresses me out sometimes. Um, but then like we had the freedom. We had that like three month freedom where we weren't doing masks and it was great. Well, now we're back to doing it. And it's like, I'm like, wow, I can't believe how much, how satisfying that was that we were able to communicate and see each other. Right. Now we're back to you know distancing out and wearing masks and all sort of stuff. So don't want us to be a whole COVID fucking podcast because yeah. uh, everything on the news is COVID. But um, very very frustrating. Yeah. Very frustrating. To to get out of that, Dave has a really funny story about deployment, about the pork. Tell us about the pork oh, and rice. Why are you doing this to me, Steve? <laughs> I think, um, I think it's a, well. It's a it's a hell of a. I'm, I'm not trying to say it's like your fault <laughs> per se. I mean, I wasn't I'll there. take I'll take accountability for my own. It uh, sounds like food to the chop. I'm sure he had a little yeah, bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we uh, we got a little bit extended out there, and then had uh, you know that traditional hot spot in the freezer that uh, that you get from time to time. And so I lost quite a bit of quite a bit of food. And so kind of what it ended up that we had left was all of basically an entire deployment's worth of pork loin and uh, we had a ton of rice and so for about two weeks we had uh, pork and rice for basically three meals a day well and six hours yeah, yeah six, it was also it was a six, six hour six watch so four, yeah, hours so a day. four four <laughs> meals four meals a day of pork and rice and I'll tell you the the CS is on that boat did just an unbelievable job making that pretty average pork loin taste pretty good but uh there was probably two days I didn't eat. I thought the skipper was going to absolutely murder me. Uh, just had to keep sleep with one eye open while, did you, did you while have being a... on the mission watch bill and everything else. It was a pretty brutal couple days. <laughs> had a pretty sweet critique about that one. Uh, did you eventually? Uh, did you eventually say screw it? We're not going to put the menu cards on the fucking water. Oh, I stopped anymore. doing that. Uh, I was like, you're getting what you're getting. I mean, <laughs> you should have done. Yeah, like, that was a card out there. <laughs> Well, I just—I mean, it's oh, it was funny now. It no, was but like funny everybody can sympathize. Everybody can sympathize. Like when you run out of food on deployment, it's like, hey, yeah. uh, we got uh, eggs today. It's like, well, we're all out of raw eggs. It's it's uh, dry eggs. Yeah, you, you get what you get. Like, oh, um, but now the real like, the real the omelet today. Well, we're all out of bacon. Like, the best like, part about that was the best uh, I could do is pork loin. Yeah. We uh, <laughs> obviously everyone likes kind of dipping into the peanut butter and everything, and uh, we ran out of peanut butter pretty quickly and. Halfway through the, the pork and rice debacle, um, one of my CSs in my uh, my store my storekeeper guy came to me. He's like, "Chops, sir, uh, I found this," and he uh, pulls out this jar of peanut butter that was stashed somewhere in the storeroom. And I was literally afraid that there would be an absolute riot if this. <laughs> 
jar of peanut butter was discovered, and so and if I two people never slept on a submarine. Everybody knows. Yeah, that basically. But uh, <laughs> I literally put it under my pillow and slept on it until we uh, pulled into Yoko to get more food. Mm. Uh, I was holding out on the peanut butter trap. I mean, it was more. It wasn't for me. I promise yeah. you, I did not. Do Everybody, get in line for your ration of <laughs> half a teaspoon of peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you know what's funny? So I had not not nearly as bad, Dave. But oh, appreciate um, that. I my, lost probably ten pounds in a week. It was great. My worst, uh, <laughs> and we did it for mid rats for. I feel like it was a week. I could be exaggerating because things seem to drag the longer you're in the Navy. The um, of the time and six-hour watches, too. But, uh, like uh, be- beets, yeah. beets and rice. <laughs> oh, beets and rice. <laughs> we were stuck on beets and rice. Uh, same thing, kind of ran out of food type deal. But something you would appreciate is similar maybe to the food thing. Previous topic on uh, one of the podcasts, but I know we have new listeners and everything. Um, so I was a first lieutenant on, on the Asheville. We are on Westpac. And first lieutenant happens to have to be responsible for toilet paper. And um, so, you know, we had our toilet paper rolls. You know, you put them in those white laundry bags and you stow them everywhere. You can stow them and all that, right? So, um, my deck LPO comes up to me and he's like, FT1, we're, uh, uh, we're running low on toilet paper. And I was like, how's that possible? We just reloaded in Guam. Said, I don't know, we're running out. We've been on mission for about a month or something like that. So we go down and we start pulling everything out of the on a 88 there, uh, whatever the little the void is uh, in the supply shack, and that's where we kind of kept the toilet paper at. And we counted, and we had like 43 rolls of toilet paper. And we were going to be, uh, I think we were like seven to ten days from pulling into uh, pulling into Guam. And so first thing I had to do, I was the senior chief, and I was like, hey, we got a problem here. Uh, we have like 43 rolls of toilet paper left on board. Secure shitting. <laughs> and so, legitimately, we got together, right? And uh, we're like, you can't let the like, you can't let the crew know about the peanut butter, right? Yeah. You can't let the crew know that you only have 43 rolls of toilet paper left because then there's going to be none in the heads. Well, hold them, yeah. the head. <laughs> so we Much got together. Like we had to get with the we had to get with the cooks. I was like, Taco Tuesday's done. We can't do Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Um, we had to be really smart with what food we were doing. I had to ration it, so I'd get off watch. And I was I could put a roll in the chief's quarters, like every other day, a roll in the wardroom every other day, and then I think it was like each of the Ford and 21-man head, it was like maybe two or three days. Whatever the math was to get us there, right? And we did it. We pulled in We pulled into Guam with like three rolls of toilet paper. So I was trying to figure out, I'm like, how did this happen? Because I'm frustrated. I know we ordered whatever. So it turns out that they went to the cable and they went ahead and got their toilet paper, right? Well, in San Diego, when I ordered boxes of toilet paper, it was 96 rolls in the box. It was 48 in a box in Guam. They didn't change the quantity. They just saw, hey, I need, say, four boxes. I thought I was getting 400 rolls, and I got half of that. Yeah. So we burned through it quick. And, it, it, you know, the crew knew by, like, the second watch that we were having a fucking toilet paper pandemic. And the A-Gang was nervous about people using chem wipes and getting that and stuck in the sand. Terrible. And all, like, it was just this whole legitimate shit show. And, uh, Do you have a critique for that? Luckily, uh, <laughs> we had one in Chiefs quarters, so we, we talked it out. Um, but, needless to say, I, with the, the whole box count thing not being my fault, uh, you know, I able to kind of dodge that bullet per se. In a way, but, it's kind of your like. But, this is how I looked at it. It's like it's kind of your fault, and it's yeah. not like that level of accountability. Because yeah, but at the same time, it's, it's like that's what it's one. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's one of those things well, you learn by experience. Well, like, I, had, hey, I actually have to look at this. Well, now. and then you got to realize too, though, right? Like, 
I was a first class, and I was an LPO, and I wasn't looking at the boxes physically, yeah. right? But the problem is, in Dective, you uh, there's no draft picks for Dective. They kind of <laughs> they kind of give you, you know what you get. You they, can leave you can leave it at that. I think we all know that. <laughs> that's the reason why that you have people in Dective for the most part, and so. The random third class that went with the LS to go get it, you know, uh, I'd argue the LS2 probably should have fucking known what, what he was doing, but needless to say, uh, that w- that could have been a pandemic in itself, and I'm, I'm glad that... Good times. Uh, I'm glad Good we times. got out of that. Good times. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like one of those things, though, like, it's like one of those critiques where it's like, like, you didn't go out of your way to be like, I want everybody to wipe their ass with their hand, because I'm doing, mali- I'm being malicious. It's like, hey, it was a harmless mistake. Like, yeah, yeah. The critique should just be like... What process can we set up to avoid this next time versus like a witch hunt? Like, yeah, F- and it wasn't. F T one was negligent. Negligent. <laughs> Captain had to wipe his. But we were trying to. We were trying to. We were trying to control a T-shirt. We were trying to control negligent discharge, though. So, yeah, you know. Uh, negligent discharge. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, and what what I was most nervous about. Uh, you know, my, the senior chief had talked to me about. He was like. The last thing you want to do as a Seventh Fleet deployed asset on mission is have to tell the boss that you're pulling off station for shit tickets. <laughs> that'd be a tough one. Not, not. Yeah, that'd be an odd message to. It has to be routing process. Uh, like, oh, it, it's oh, bad no. enough with the material anyway. things that we have to fight through. You don't want to have to tell a boss that you didn't count enough food. And, you know, enough fucking toilet paper on yeah. board. It's tough. Really, it happens really a thankless yeah. job. No, it's really a thankless job, like, being in the supply department. Like, everybody's like, where's my parts job? You're just like, I don't know. fuck I can't, you, man. I can't physically go get it. I'm trapped down here with the it's rest like, of you. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're in your locker. Where did you put them? Like, like, where did you stuff them in the outboard and they fell down the lower level? It's like, is that my fault? Yeah. Nah, well, it's not well I know. I'll tell you why. Look, as, as a prior enlisted man, I'll get you guys in your little secret here. The reason why you become an RPPO is to have that locker on deployment to put your monsters and your oh, bulls and all I mean, that. You better believe I knew what was going so, on. Uh, <laughs> better believe all the lockers outboard of my yeah. rack were empty yeah. except for my shit. Yeah, yeah. that's so. why you can't find shit sometimes is because... Uh, it's like the, this skull <laughs> is technically level 1 QA because it's in this locker. This skull Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, Dave, uh, since we're kind of a, you know, a cigar group here... Uh, I appreciate you having one here. You said it had been, been a couple of years since you'd had one. A little bit. Uh, I'm just curious. That shotgun you on this, uh, you know, but I think I'm pretty safe here. But do you have at least one experience, memorable experience of a cigar, whether it was like your first cigar you had, like on a submarine, or do you have any like Navy experience that you can think of that? I, uh, I, I honestly, one of my biggest regrets from my naval service was not having a cigar with the skipper in the sail. May he rest in peace. Peace, yeah. Captain Roach. Captain Roach, great, great man. But I did uh, did have a stogie with him and uh, you, Steve, actually, uh, in subball one year. Just kind of a wardroom standing outside a uh, subball in Norfolk and all the boys. They're the Marriott. Had, had yeah, that, that yeah they, had a, they had a little uh, decks out there on the yeah. side. Yeah, we got such big, a great spot. Big room. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just having a stogie with the boys and everything. So, yeah, I don't indulge too much. I have kind of a weak respiratory system, I would call it. So, you know, your liver makes up in spades. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it'll be it'll be living with the cockroaches like after the, <laughs> uh, so, the war. Yeah. So, the, when we were leaving work on Friday, I, I knew that you wanted it. I was like, I got to get you some buff, uh, I got to get you some bourbon. So, I went to the next and was like, 
uh, just see if they have like some Woodford, and then they had the Buffalo Trace there. So I texted you and Ops, and, and, Ops, and I was like, "Yo, they got Buffalo Trace," because he had tried going on Thursday. They were all gone. Which I got two bottles. You got two, uh, two bottles. They started actually putting yeah. a, mi- a maximum number of purchase, which I think is smart. I think I like it. And then Ops was like, was like "I missed it again." I was like, oh, "I can give you one," but I was like, "No guarantees." Dave's coming into town, and he basically brushes his teeth with bourbon, so yeah. there's no <laughs> no guarantees. There's going to be a bottle left over on Monday morning. So I, I got to hit that too hard last night. No, I know. We're, well, we were yeah. drinking the Lagavulin. We're drinking uh, Lagavulin 16. Okay, yeah. that's, a, that's a good scotch. Oh, it's a great scotch. So I was going to ask you, so uh, so you can't go in-depth with your cigar uh, palate, but I'm a big bourbon guy, and I've uh, been dabbling in scotch the last couple of years. So, like, what's, uh, what's like, your bourbon and or scotch of choice? Um, I would say Lagavulin 16 is my scotch of choice, certainly. I really like, I'm not generally into that kind of heavy, peaty, smoky, yeah, but with Lagavulin, somehow it really works, and it's uh, just incredible. Bourbon, bourbon, I kind of bounce around. I'd say, like, Woodford Reserve is kind of what we... Kind of go to. What I have in my, uh, on my bar, kind of back in New York, that's kind of my go-to. Um, Maker's Mark's pretty... Pretty good as well. A little bit say, lighter, I would say. Be, but you used to you had a big Maker's phase uh, when we were in the shipyard. On yeah, Ma- Maker's is a good like. The, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a good day to day one. It's I a think. complicated yeah. conversation to have with a real bourbon person because, you know, you, the ones that you want to drink every day are not available every day. You know, like I would, uh, you know, Buffalo Trace is like would be my daily. Um, but I'm a guy that, like, unless I have a backup, I won't crack open another bottle of Buffalo. I'm always yeah. afraid it's going to be the last bottle I ever open <laughs> for some reason. Um, and I've been lucky. I've got, I actually have five bottles of Buffalo Trace right now in the bar. So I think Just I'm good for a while. Um, but, yeah, Banker's Mark is a good. And, you know, I picked up the other day. There was an Evan Williams single barrel that was, like, 30 bucks. Really? That's solid. And it was so smooth. I've always heard, like, Evan Williams, it's a bad rap, but they actually do make some pretty decent bourbon. You know, you get a handle for nineteen dollars of Evan Williams, just a regular Evan Williams. I would, I would recommend for any of you guys if you've ever driven through Central Kentucky. Uh, I drove through there a couple of years ago, and they kind of have this beautiful bourbon trail, and yes. all the distilleries are right off this one highway. That's just honestly a great country road to just drive down by itself. But uh, the distilleries do close at like two p.m. So, like, if you're driving through there, plan ahead for that. Because a lot of them exist in dry counties, so they can't. Yeah. They can only operate limited hours. But definitely go to some of those distilleries if you're ever through there. That's actually on my list of something I would like to do, especially while I'm here in Virginia. You know, probably eight nine hour drive from there, maybe maybe twelve. But I would like to like get a like a bed and breakfast or like Airbnb and do those because I'm a big fan of you know Buffalo Trace makes E H Taylor and eagle rare and some of these other ones that i like you got wellers out there um i would love to do it um yeah beautiful part of the state too so yeah definitely uh, get out there if you can and really casual drive beautiful country road so um just like uh bob denver yeah bob take denver. me home west yeah. virginia though but yeah, i mean close, close enough, enough. Close enough. <laughs> it's close Everyone enough claims it anyway. it's one of those shapes of states that we don't know what they really are but <laughs> mr sunshine on my goddamn shoulders john fucking denver can you believe it <laughs> Uh, it wasn't as full of shit as like yeah it's like, Dumb and Dumber, dumber, dumber would uh, suggest but, yeah. so it was that Super Troopers Super Troopers that was Dumb and Dumber it was Dumb and Dumber oh yeah. yeah Super Troopers where he's like when he was no they're on that fucking off. mini bike they're on the mini bike they turned around in Kansas and they're going back east 
Right, like, that man, was the one where he's like, hey, the John Denver was full of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah John, John, John Denver, Jesus. Yeah, but then yeah. there was the, on Super Troopers, when uh, Rabbit's washing the car, and Farber comes in, and he's just like, hey, washing my car, Rook? And he's like, it's not your car, Farber, and he's just like, let me tell you a little story about the great uh, Charlie Rich, who won the Country Music Award of 2004 or whatever, and he's like, and then, next year... He had to turn over the award to John Denver. Can you believe it? John fucking Denver. And he's like, and I, was like, he's like, and I'll tell you to this day, if Mr. Rich didn't take that award and come, pull out his cigarette lighter and light it on fire right there in front of everybody, he's like, so what are you going to tell me? You're going to light my country music award on fire? He's like, well, my suspension is up. It's your ass. Are you going to light my ass on fire? You know the scene? I know what you're talking about. I keep going. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm expecting some acknowledgement from the two of you. Oh, I got you, making me su- Say no, the whole script you're doing a great. Yeah. It's a I like your little song. soliloquy over here. Yeah, yeah, your monologue is great. You yeah. need to get back in the state. So speaking of which, code restrictions, all that. I know you're you're missing your sidekick. When are we gonna see Steve up on the stage doing uh, comic again? Know, That's man. something I really want to see, actually. Yeah. I don't know. I've been oh. toying with some topics. I don't, I don't. So here's a topic: the Olympics. Can we talk about the Olympics for a second? Done. Yeah. Why not? isn't I know that I know that Mark Howell will appreciate this. Why isn't NASCAR an Olympic sport? I mean, they have like fucking basket weaving and everything, everything, yeah. every possible competitive thing in the world. Wouldn't it be funny if NASCAR was a? I think F one would be closer though, wouldn't it? I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, there's yeah, because there's other countries that that do it. that do F one. Yeah. 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 That NASCAR, I think, is more U.S. and I think they have like some Brazilian drivers, maybe. But maybe. I, I think F one could absolutely be. They could pull enough. Countries, I think that'd be kind of sick, actually, if they had a big F one race for the Olympics. Yeah, I but still. I, I, but I think you could throw in the face of everybody who says that they think NASCAR is a sport. You could be like, "Well, it's not in the fucking Olympics, so it's yeah, not, so sport. It's not yeah. a sport." <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm. And I think we were talking about the other night when, like, when you watch the uh, the male gymnasts, like these guys, they're like they're jacked, like they could whoop your ass, but then they make them still do like. The knife hands yeah. and like the effeminate hand gestures. It's like, why can't they just like make fists? Superstar. Like WWF, like <laughs> two Budweisers and like crack them over. Crack Stone them Cold over. style. Stone like, like, style. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're doing some incredible acrobatics. And it's that like, would be the this coolest little curtsy, thing. This little curtsy that they do afterwards. Like, ah, oh, you just do a little flip thing <laughs> and you land it. For <laughs> Get off the parallel bars. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great, man. So, uh, <laughs> but to answer your question, though, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, All right. uh memorable, uh, Dave, you have a memorable uh, port call. Cool. Uh, I'll tell you, Suda Bay, absolutely uh, incredible spot. I mean, if you've ever been there, I mean, beautiful Greek village of Hania, right outside of it. And I, so I, that was my second deployment that I didn't know I was going to be on. I was trying to kind of set up set up things for after I got out of the Navy and applying to business school and everything. And I remember sitting at one of the cafes and kind of had my laptop and probably had like a gl- bottle and a half of wine, like writing writing my entrance essays for uh, for business school. And just what a hey, honestly, what a beautiful spot. I'd say that's that's easily my favorite. Singapore was pretty great as well, but. Yeah, two different deployments, but yeah, two different reasons probably. Two different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he just reminded me. So we were on the La Jolla with one of your former colleagues, Eric Evans, 
He doesn't like space. Oh, I don't know. I don't know you do yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Small world. So, uh, Eric Evans has a type of soap he likes. I mean, if it's good enough for the birds, it's good enough for for Eric. But uh, big fan of the uh, big fan of the Dawn soap, actually. Probably, Which, I mean, it feels like probably pretty pretty good for the overall like sanitary system on the boat, anyway. I mean, and you don't have to worry about nobody stealing your soap either. Yeah, no one's gonna steal your soap. I mean, I'd open up a rack and I'd be like, oh, I don't. Well, I guess he washes his own dishes or something. If anything, he might be stealing from the galley. But, yeah, like, <laughs> chop needs to take a look at him for that. But. It's like that Seinfeld episode where Kramer installed the garbage disposal in his in, the, in his, in his uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's cooking <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the shower. <laughs> what a, oh, great stuff. Yeah. Oh, I love Very Seinfeld. Similar. Oh, love Seinfeld. That's good. We got a favorite fine Seinfeld ep- Seinfeld episode, Steve. Ooh, I don't. Know. I think the um, there's one episode that always makes me laugh. It's the uh, it's it's where they like taped it backwards. So like they show. Oh, when they went to the wedding in, the, in, in India? India? Yeah, yeah. And George like spray paints the Timberland boots black because he <laughs> met, he was shorter than the girl he met, but when he met her, he was wearing the Timberland boots, so it made him seem taller, so his solution was to not... He was always going to wear Timberlands around her. Yeah, always wear Timberlands around her so that he didn't look shorter than her, as they went to the wedding, of course, and he can't wear Timberland boots at a wedding, because <laughs> they go to tuck, so he yeah. paints them black. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked that episode. I don't know why. And it goes all the way back to, like, the first time, like, the the, the episode ends with, like, the day, like, it goes back, like, ten years. <laughs> so it's, like, the day that Jerry yeah. moved into the apartment, uh, and, like, the day he first meets Kramer, he's, he's just like, hey, man, you new into the building? He's like, yeah, man, come on in. What's mine is yours. And he's just like, oh, really? And that's, like, why Kramer just <laughs> always walks comes in, in. Yeah. takes the liberty of opening his fridge and eating all this food because of that one interaction. I like my... I think my favorite is when uh, what George buys the cashmere sweater that has the red dot. Oh, the red dot, the red dot for the Just, girl that cleans. Yeah, yeah. the five hundred dollars sweater that he got for like twenty bucks. Well, it was for Elaine at first, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she noticed the red dot, and they regifted it to yep. like the cleaning lady who was sleeping with at the office. <laughs> right, to, to, to yeah. hush her up. Yeah, to hush her up. Yeah, the hush, the Just hush sweater. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's a good. One. Uh, Any episode where George is just a shit show is like crap. Which is almost every episode. Yeah, basically every I think one of my favorites, I, I, I love Seinfeld. I could probably rattle off a bunch of them, but one of mine is when um, Kramer was doing the scotch, the Hennigans. And he has this commercial like it. It's like, that no smell, no tell. And he's like getting hammered, drinking this. He's like, you can walk around drunk all day and nobody knows. <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> it's so good. Damn, it's good. So, Steve, uh, you have anything else there in your kind of... Um, no, I mean, I just kind of jot down some things that I, I, I think would be interesting to, to see would be, um, you know, while while finding the end of Netflix uh, on, you know, because of COVID, I watched an episode of Survivor. First time ever. I've never watched one episode. So there's like 37 seasons of it. It's insane. So I watched one season. That's enough. Like, they're all the same very episodic right but I think it would be hilarious if like there was like one of those shows elimination shows like Jersey Shore type thing where like it's like a survivor but one of the contestants has AIDS and then it's really and this is surviving like, this is like 16 oh yeah okay yeah are you talking about for real 
No, it's a joke. I'm oh, joking. shit. I was going to say. Joke. That was a bad joke. That's why I'm not <laughs> doing stand-up comedy because it's bad jokes. <laughs> you just killed the room. You just killed the room. Yeah. I keep working on that. Stuff. Yeah, I keep working on that one. Yeah. Um, you know those books that are like uh, you know, Finance for Dummies? Yeah. I think they'd be, they're, they're, they have everything for... Yeah, for dummies. Yeah, everything. I think it would be a funny if there was a book that was propaganda for dummies. I just think it would be very ironic. You said propaganda for dummies. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what am I reading? <laughs> I don't know what they're telling me. They telling me I should do something. So what, like propaganda. Itself. What I want to do to cap this off here is I do want to keep it like at about an hour and twenty, and we're like at sixty-five minutes right now. Um, I'm gonna roll through some rapid fire. I mean, you see, we've done it before. Some of these questions are prior. So, I don't know if we did rapid fire on the last episode of ours that you listened to, but we'll just spit something out, and uh, you just kind of, first thing that comes to your mind, just do it. So, I'll go, uh, <laughs> this is my psyche valve. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> we have a Rorschach chest that we're going to oh, give you good. afterwards, too. Uh, all right, what's the longest time you've ever spent in a car? Ooh, uh, at once. Yes. 18 hours. Where, uh, where were you driving to? I was to? driving out west last summer to Jackson Hole. You made that in like one stretch other than stopping uh, for two stretches, yeah. Wow. The second stretch was about 18 hours. Wow, that's crazy. My dad just came out here from California to live out in Virginia Beach, and uh, he left uh, He left Central California on a Friday at like midnight, uh, Friday, Saturday morning, however you, you look at that, and he pulled up my driveway Tuesday at dinner time. I was just crushing it. Well, he, he's a, he, my dad was uh, a truck driver his whole life. He just retired. Uh, he didn't. He's had one stop in Memphis because I made him stop at a KOA. He was towing a thirty-five foot trailer out there. <laughs> but what's a truck driver do? He's pulling the loves truck stops. Yeah. He fucking crashed in the back of his truck for a few hours. Went in and got a hot shower. Those things are great. Got the subway yeah. sandwich and then fucking he was on the road and he just crushed it. He was just his last stretch was sixteen hour. He went from Memphis, Tennessee, to Virginia Beach in one stretch, which wow. was about sixteen hours. That's wild. That's pretty wild. Um, what is illegal? What's that? What is illegal? What is illegal? Um, gambling in most states. I don't know why that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Just gambling. Maybe no. I feel like something. What's illegal? We've talked about this before. What's illegal? What's illegal? Uh, heroin? Well, me and Brian did this. Uh, you know, <laughs> everything is legal until you get caught. Then it's illegal. Ooh. I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite movie quote? I know Steve can re- rehearse a, an entire movie, and we would just stare at him. Right. But uh, your <laughs> favorite movie quote? Um, it could be funny. It could be serious. It could be Rodney Dangerfield in uh, Caddyshack when he's uh, talking about the hat, and he's like, "Oh, looks good on you, though." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, "This is the worst hat I've ever seen." Oh, it looks good on you, though. Looks good on you, though. L.A. or New York? New why? New York. You've been, uh, I think you've been to L.A.? Been to L.A., spent some time okay. out there. I mean, I've lived in New York City about four years now, but New York, the energy, I love the cold, I love the anger. I really thrive <laughs> on that. I think I got that from submarines. Yeah, it's just the... The hate. The hate. I really feed off of it. I mean, the law of conservation of happiness like exists in New York, too, so you just have to take it from someone else. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. If a movie was made of your life... What would the genre be, and what actor would play you? Ooh, uh, I think Tom Hanks would play me, and it would be a very Forrest Gumpy like uh, story. <laughs> um, 
all the way from farming to submarining to Wall, Wall Street. Street. The lap dog of Wall Street. <laughs> uh, yeah, you mean you grew up on a dairy farm is probably what people most people don't uh, either yeah, one, not know too about many you or two can relate to anymore. Yeah, there's not too many of us anymore, but yeah. Think. Grew up uh, milking about fifty cows like my whole childhood, so Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Farm's been in the family about a hundred years, so uh all right, so do that your uh, your current career field has you financing Wall Street. You'll probably obtain this goal before me and Steve. Uh, but if you're able to purchase a yacht or a boat, what would you call it? Cool. Uh, probably something really douchey. I don't know. I mean, probably name it after some famous ship in like uh, Greek or Roman mythology, like the Argo or mm. some, some nonsense like that. Aeneid. Aeneas. I don't know. Uh, so, so where'd you grow up? I grew up in middle of Pennsylvania in what I like to call Pennsylvania, that uh, beautiful spot between, beautiful region between Philadelphia yep. and Pittsburgh. Mm. Pennsylvania or, uh, yeah, something like that. It's so like, it's like the DMZ for football. What's your, uh, what's your sports, uh, sports affiliations? Oh, yeah, so, uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Okay. Not a huge hockey guy, but I really enjoy hockey. I just don't really have a team. Um, but then my dad grew up watching the Green Bay Packers because they were on TV all the time in the 60s. So I grew up liking them. And then, uh, I guess when you're in a DMZ of uh, yeah. Pennsylvania, you don't have to go to the Steelers. Or of, yeah, no, no. Or the but, Eagles. Uh, and then Penn State football, huge into that as well. So big college football guy. All right. So uh, so we've asked uh, this similar question before. I've always got to find out where you're from and what your teams are. Uh, Mount Rushmore of Pennsylvania sports. Like teams or yeah, like teams you like, so you, I know it's hard because you can throw Green Bay in there also. Yeah. Um, um, so so give me your Mount Rushmore sports of, legends. Of sports legends. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, Roy Halladay when he played for the Phillies, just absolute monster. Rest guy. in peace. Yeah, just incredible guy. I remember those great Phillies teams, kind of the late late two thousands, early two thousand tens. Chase Utley. Yeah. Uh, so those guys, but uh. Oh, geez, who else? I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Brett, like, I grew up with Brett Favre. I mean, the guy yeah. just. So, uh, that's my Iron question Man. for Green Bay guys is yeah. um, I so grew up in California. I'm an LA sports fan. Um, but growing up in the 90s, you didn't have fucking NFL Sunday ticket and shit, right? You had to watch what was on TV. And what was on TV, majority. So the Rams left LA in 94. So you got the Raiders and the 49ers pretty much. And then you, the Cowboys is America's team, especially in the 90s. Uh, and then Green Bay, right? Those yep. are the teams that I always saw on TV. And my uncle, uh, and my cousin, they're big Green Bay fans. And my favorite football player ever to watch was Brett Favre. Hands down, Brett Favre looked like he was always playing peewee football. Having fun. Smile on his fucking face. Yep. He shook off an interception as soon as he threw it. He'll throw well, he three more if he had anyway. to. <laughs> um, I would always pick Brett Favre over Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I mean Aaron Rodgers more talented. May have talent. Aaron Rodgers more talented. Brett Favre was a lot. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is fun to watch. Like, I think Aaron Rodgers' personality Brett. gets in the way of him being truly great. I may, I maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but Brett Favre in the 90s, just like, how could you not root for the guy to, like, succeed? I mean, big idiot out there, like, playing the game like anyone that grew up playing the game, you'd hope you'd play it. So mm-hmm. I, I personally didn't root for him when he was playing the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 1995. Oh, well, but didn't uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Just, that was before great. your your Brady era. But, yeah. Uh, that was the Bledsoe, Bledsoe. Bledsoe era. Yeah. Uh, do you what do you what are your opinion on Tom Brady? 
greatest of all time. I mean, you gotta give it to seven him. rings. You gotta man. give. I mean, he has more in this era. More rings as a starting quarterback than any franchise has. Mm. You can't really yeah. take it from. I mean, are there more talented guys out there? Absolutely, but um, I think his dedication to the craft. Yeah, uh, like yeah. knows accomplished more. Yeah, it's probably a good way to put it. The most accomplished uh, quarterback. Yeah, uh, but I'll by far. Is Brady and I've over the years learned, you know, Rams fans. So the whole Spygate thing, and now it just became a thing. There's a gate every time the Patriots were in the Super Bowl. But I, I grew accustomed to really enjoying watching Tom Brady play over the years. And I thought the most incredible thing that he's done is they airdropped him in Tampa, which I thought was. I heard rumors of him maybe going to Denver, maybe going to New Orleans, maybe going to the Chargers. All those seem to make more sense to me than Tampa. Fucking takes him to the Super Bowl, and then he dunk. just shellacks. A Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs team that just won it. Yeah. It, it, incredible. Yeah. Uh, I was, unfortunately, on board USS John Warner for that Super Bowl, so I, uh, Sledgehammer of Freedom did not watch the Super Bowl. But uh, <laughs> it was really uh, – I, I think Tom Brady's fucking great, man. Um, every time I think, oh, he's done. I like to hate on him, but, I mean, you can't. Course, you can't, though. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Can't. Uh, do you have a – where'd you go to college? On Penn State. Penn yeah, State, so, so okay, basically stayed pretty local. It's only twenty miles from the farm, so somewhat educated then, um, and all that kind of I stuff. To. Um, do you have like a a memorable? Uh, I want to say college experience because uh, we'll do that. That would like, all be at like college football games, like a I mean. naval, uh, like a navy, like like a historic naval leader or whatever. Anything that kind of sticks out through kind of just naval history of someone that kind of sticks out to you um you know i on toledo i used to make these memes about uh dick o'kane that's my guy we'd call him big dick o'kane and uh yeah i mean the guy just what he did just unbelievable i mean they don't they don't make guys with cojones like that anymore they you know his his submarine gets fucking destroyed it becomes a pow uh, the Navy thought he was missing for like two or three years. And then, you know, we say World War II is over, and we're like, oh, hey, we got this fucking guy. We've hey, he's fucking back. Yeah. <laughs> it's this guy that we've got. Yeah. Nick O'Kane's my guy. I don't know if you're familiar with um, a couple friends of ours, uh, Jason Pittman and um, Armand Owens. They started this watch company, um, and uh, it's it's Tenacity Watches. And, and I think I just started getting ads for that, actually. Yeah. yeah. So our friends, actually, on I got I'll watch show it to you in person. Total looks like, I think, a uh, prior military guy, but looks nice in what you do these days. Having gold pair of dolphins on your watch may be something that you would like to do. Maybe you need to get some chalfins um, on there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, they were, they used to be actually called Station the Watch. And it so happens that uh, there was another company uh, that was using that name. And uh, so they kind of went through all the rights of stuff. They were like, hey, you know, it's probably just better just to change it. So tenacity, the, dick, the whole dick cocaine thing. Uh, the back of the watch is engraved. Uh, stick with the bastard until you put them on the bottom or, you know, or stick with them to the yeah. bastard on the bottom, whatever. Um, and for all of our listeners out there, you go to uh, Tenacity Watches, uh, Google it, and you put code warrant in, and you save 10% on your watch. Uh, very, nice shameless, uh, very, very nice timepiece. Shameless uh, there, but it's, it looks really good on your wrist. Whether you're wearing NWUs or your uh, the lap dog of Wall Street, it's the timepiece to have on your wrist for sure. That um, is a real plug, a real company. Yeah, real, real plug, real, that was a real commercial. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Wait, you mean I can't get those laxatives? No, <laughs> really, your dog definitely needs those. I know. Yeah. Um, all right, so I think that's about uh, you know where it's at. It's one thing I wanted to close on. Um, that is unfortunate because 7-6 was a part of it, but um, 
still think in the end of the day it was a good thing. And, uh, you know, since the last time we recorded, the Navy investigations come out. The USS Bonhomme Richard was, in fact, lit on fire by a sailor. Um, and it's very, very, very sad. I, I think about the USS Miami fire. And, and you know, that was a civilian uh, worker that had started that fire because he wanted to get out of work or whatever it was. And then Bonhomme Richard, there's some rumors about why that happened. But uh, at the end of the day, a sailor was found guilty. Um, but that being said, was court martialed, right? we, we raised $10,000 towards that, this organization did. And uh, it was people donating. Um, my, my partner, Brian, actually has a tramp stamp tattoo of his dolphins because uh, <laughs> we, we had got a thing. And I was like, hey, if you raise $10,000 or whatever, we'll do and It's we a classy tattoo. Um, it, but it's very, uh, but we wanted it very 90s, 2000s tramp stamp like. So it's got like some watercolor like pinks and purples in the back of it Love around it. it it's just it's fucking awesome but uh brian had you know put his money where his mouth was uh we did a live recording podcast with this company called test step they make submarine apparel i'm actually wearing one of their shirts uh back of the shirt who the fuck are you who the fuck are you uh it's hard to wear it out in town but uh, the guys have said hey you know guys have been lifting with these shirts in navy gyms and they're like hey you gotta turn your shirt inside out yeah. so the guys are working on a way to how to throw in the submarine song in the back of the shirt without having a curse word on it um, but it's hard to do because the whole song is cursing, yeah, yeah. or worse, or worse. <laughs> so, man, submarines once, submarines twice. Uh, that's about as much as you can get. That's, yeah, that's, get, that's like, the one verse I can go R rated. Uh, but I just want to say, guys, like it was very important. I think that we we did all that together. We were a young group at that time, also, when we pulled that together. And um, I think just think that was really awesome that we did that. And I do believe uh, because we partnered with the USO of San Diego, uh, you know. The money still went uh, to the sailors uh, because there's sailors like on a service ship. They live on the they live on the ship if you're a junior sailor, and everything you guys own from a pair of tennis shoes to an Xbox to shaving cream, whatever, shaving it's, material, it's, it's all yeah. it's all gone, right? So we were able to raise ten thousand dollars. So uh, very unfortunate uh, result to that story. Uh, capped off a year later with finding out that one of their own shipmates did that. Um, very 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 sad. Like really, if you're a guy that you know. That's been in the military and served with a bunch of guys on the ship. It's sad to think that one of your shipmates would do that, but um, still well, probably a big, big problem. Big problem for the Navy overall, I would say. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just a bad look. Yeah. It really is. Um, but uh, go ahead and close us out um, for all for those of you that uh, have uh, listened here. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, if you've made it through, uh, I've done this one other time before. I'm gonna do it again. If you've made it through the hour and 20 minutes of this podcast, the first two people that message me, Nick Church, with the phrase, pork and rice, will be given a free t-shirt, courtesy of Sailors and Sticks. So if you text me the words pork and rice, you know, into my uh, Facebook or Instagram uh, messaging or my cell phone, if you have my cell phone number, uh, use the phrase pork and rice, or we're going to send you a free t-shirt your way. So... Uh, this is the end of the podcast. This is Nick Church. Steve Sideri. Dave Lachlan. All right, we're out.